0: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. It's time for Two Nerd Skis and a Podcast!
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dudes and dudettes, hello, and welcome to Two Nerdskis in a Podcast, the show where two nerdskis come together and talk about everything that is pop culture and everything entertainment. This is your smooth jazz DJ, Smooth E, wishing you listeners well, and remember to stay shiny. And now, it's my pleasure to introduce your hosts, Eric and Jeff. Take it away, fellas. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Smooth E, for that lovely introduction. Um, as he said, uh, my name's Eric, and uh, I've got Jeff here. And welcome back to another installment of the show. Howdy, howdy. And yeah, this it's another uh, exciting episode we've got here today. But um, how are you doing, good sir? How's things going with you? uh
0: not too shabby i got nothing to complain about
1: <laughs> Life treating you okay for the most part not not too much shenanigans going on in your life
0: uh i mean given what uh, uh given that the world is uh blowing up essentially metaphorically <laughs> uh i could be in a wor- much worse position so all all i can do is continue to count my blessings
1: well folks just remember life can be always worse so be, be grateful essentially for the life you got now because um, things could always turn upside down like that but in the meantime just live the life you best the best that you can for sure but anyway so we are back to present you a fine new installment of the show uh, Jeff what do we have today <laughs>
0: We have a little gem of a movie called Dark City. Dramatic reading. Uh,
1: what what happens in this movie? Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm interrupting you. I was I was just so enticed, and yet here I am interrupting. Um, what were you gonna say, dude? Sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, that was pretty much it. I've uh, I have never seen this movie before. I didn't know a freaking thing about it going in. I. I think I've, all I've seen in passing is the DVD cover at the video store back in the day and mm. just never having a second thought about it. So watching it was a very interesting experience. Finally being able to see, oh, yeah, there, there's a movie behind that, uh, that DVD <laughs> case. Uh, so I will leave the plot introduction up to you because I will probably butcher it.
1: Okay, well... Um... So a little backstory behind Dark City at first. So this movie is directed by um, Alex Proyas. He's he's kind of a hit and miss in terms of directing because he's directed some pretty good movies and then he's directed some not good movies. Uh, If there's any indication, his last movie he directed was a little um, gem called Gods of Egypt.
0: I never saw that, but he directed knowing and I actually love that movie.
1: Really? I haven't, I, I've only heard like shit things about that movie. I know Nicholas Cage is in it and it's supposed to be about um, escape. I mean about um, the apocalypse, right?
0: That's part of the gist, but it, uh, it actually creates a pretty interesting premise and mystery. And uh, and there's uh, from what I remember, there's uh, there's like this time capsule uh, that that an elementary school places. And uh, and it it basically uh, I haven't seen the movie in a few years, uh, so bear with me. Uh, So this little girl who kept writing this series of numbers kind of went crazy. And many years later, the time capsule is uncovered. And Nicolas Cage's son is uh is starting to see the same thing and then once all the numbers are written out it's determined that these aren't a random series of numbers it's actually uh it's actually a uh, a string of events that predict major disasters throughout the world mm, okay. and it uh it kind of takes off from there and it's uh it, it's really interesting i know a lot of people hate the ending I'm kind of indifferent on it, uh, but overall I I do think it's a very well made movie. Uh, it's very well acted. Uh, and I'd say it's actually pretty underrated. Uh, so I, I would definitely recommend that movie.
1: Okay. Um, that's the first time I ever heard anyone say anything positive about it. Um, but I'm a little, I'm a little tempted to get into it. Okay. Um, So going further into his list. So back in 2004, he directed a little movie with Will Smith called I robot. Um, That was I remember watching that on DVD, like the same year it came out and um, I was was really intrigued by the action and whatnot. I know that stars Alan Tudyk um, in the movie. He plays uh, the robot, the main robot, Sonny. And this was way before I discovered Firefly and Serenity. So um, this was the first time I ever saw Alan Tudyk in anything.
0: I remember iRobot being one of those movies that in the late 2000s, FX would just play, would play. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Would would, would play certain movies nonstop back to back. And they were always, it was always Alien versus Predator, Spider-Man 2 and fucking iRobot. Yeah, no, no I
1: FX was FX used to have a lot used to play a lot of good shit back in the day in terms of movies, um, a lot of them on repeat, which is how I watched a lot of movies uh, back in the day. I mean, TNT did this. USA would occasionally do this TBS as well. And then I know um, Spike would do this. Yeah, there was a lot of those movie channels that would just play movies on repeat. And by far, um, this was one of those movies for sure. Um Or at least, yeah, iRobot was one of those movies. Um,
0: I think I remember
1: enjoying that movie, too.
0: I think I've only seen the entirety of that movie once. And then from then on, which was probably in the theater. And from then on, it's been only bits and pieces
1: on TV. Perhaps a uh, future review, maybe in the future. Who knows? Yeah, fuck it. Um, I'm down. Okay, but I will. So Alex is Alex. Preuss major film that he's probably best known for was the 1994 classic the crow, which was unfortunately the very last movie starring Brandon Lee, because that's the movie where Brandon Lee, unfortunately died in a onset accident.
0: I've actually never seen the crow
1: Confession. I'll be honest with you, too. Um, I've only seen bits and pieces of that movie on television, um, and that was when I was kind of interested in Brandon Lee's work. Brandon Lee, by the way, um, so for those of you who don't know, that's the son of Bruce Lee. Um, and Brandon Lee had only done a couple movies in Hong Kong, and he was barely starting to like get into uh, Hollywood films. Um, he had done this one movie prior. He had done a couple movies prior. Um, one of them, showed uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo with Dolph Lundgren. That's, <laughs> oh, I love that movie. That's a great, fun time. It's, it's so stupid, but it's so fun. Um, and then he did this movie called rapid fire, uh, which is really fun to, to watch. Um, I highly recommend that movie. Maybe I'll talk about that on this podcast as well. Haven't really figured out about that yet, but, but yeah, uh, dark city, Alex price directed this movie came out in 1998. Um, did not really make a lot of money at the box office. It was made for 27 million. It made 27 million um so it made its money back and that's about it and i mean if you
0: you take into account marketing and everything it probably lost money
1: oh yeah because i was gonna say so this is basically the highlander thing all over again because so new line cinema they distributed this movie they had no idea how the fuck to distribute it so if you watch the trailers um it was very like what the fuck's going on and then if let me ask you this. When you saw this at like Blockbuster or whatnot, was it in the horror section?
0: I think it was. Um, it was. It, I think it kind of varied from uh, from store to store, because I think at Blockbuster, it was in the science fiction. And I think at Hollywood, that's where they would stick it in, into the horror section. OK. If I'm remembering that correctly, like this is this is like 20
1: years ago, which is weird to say now. Right, right. Um, well, yeah, this is not a horror film in this slice. This is a science fiction noir film. Um, so in the movie you have here, let's see, you got Rufus Sewell. Um, he plays our main character, John Murdoch. The story revolves around him. He wakes up naked in a bathtub. He has no idea what's going on. That's every morning for there. me. What what's did you say? <laughs> I just realized what you just said. <laughs> and now all I can think of is Jeff naked getting out of a bathtub. Did you have my only question? Oh damn is, it, uh, not again. <laughs> that was my question. Where's my is, fucking uh, kidney? <laughs> <laughs> uh no, I just can't get that image out of my mind anymore. This is going to be fun. <laughs> um, anyways, you also have in this movie um, William Hurt. He plays Inspector Frank Bumstead. He's kind of the police inspector investigating a series of uh, murders. Um, you have Jennifer Connelly, the lovely Jennifer Connelly, playing uh, Emma Murdoch, a.k.a. John Murdoch's wife, or so it appears. Um and she, God, every time I watch, every time I watch her in something, she's just fucking great. Um, and I have to say, that's a woman that has never aged. Um, she I has really not. Jennifer Connelly
0: her. is probably immortal. Like, um, like, like whatever, whatever fountain of youth shit that she's taking or Keanu Reeves, I, I want some.
1: <laughs> Did you just, the way you just say Keanu Reeves, it, it implies that she's like, she like meets up with Keanu Reeves and they exchange like. I don't even know what the fuck I want to think about that there. Okay. um, They
0: exchange their fountain of youth formulas. Yeah, I guarantee uh, they do.
1: (laughs) uh, Basically, you're saying they fuck. Never mind. This just got awkward really quickly. I'm I'm
0: just leaving that awkward pause in you so that you feel very uncomfortable and the listeners feel uncomfortable. Damn it. You're you're, you're welcome.
1: Damn it. Okay. Um, Sorry there, folks. Uh, I'm not. So here's what I would like to discuss. Jeff, how surprised were you to see Kiefer Sutherland in this movie?
0: He never held a gun, and I was very sad by that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we, I should mention. So Jeff is a big fan of Twenty Four, and or as he likes to call it, the Jack Bauer Action Hour. um, Uh, A Jack Jack Bauer Power power Hour. Got to remember the rhymes. and uh i i watched i didn't watch all of 24 i didn't I I, I I it just couldn't stick for me i watched the entire first season and then i maybe got halfway through the second season and i just lost interest but um season,
0: season four is where it's at man season four kicks ass the main the main villain i'm blanking on the actor's name but it's the dude who played the mummy and the brendan fray oh, arnold one. Vosloo
1: yeah arnold Vosloo is a really good actor i like oh that. dude that that guy's a fucking awesome Mm. But yeah, uh, Kiefer Sutherland plays a character, plays a very interesting, plays Dr. Daniel P. Schraber, who was a real uh, physician back in the day, um, like in the 1800s or like definitely 1800s to very early 1900s. Um, he's a, he plays a very interesting character, I feel like. Um, but anyways, going back to the plot. So yeah, John wakes up. He has no idea what's going on. Um, he tr- he's trying to figure out how he got into the situation. He's being chased by a group called the Strangers, uh, who seem to have the power to change things as they will. and John later finds out that not all as it appears to seem as it seems to be. Um, and he and he just he's trying to unravel the mystery of what is going on behind the behind the scenes in the dark city, if you will. So, Jeff, I will turn it over to you. Um, so this is a reversal. This is the first time that Jeff has seen this. So what did you think of Dark City? I dug the shit out of it. <laughs> I was not the response I was. I mean, that's a good response, but that's not the response I was looking. for. I was expecting. Really, you want to well what, elaborate what, a little bit further on that? What, what? What were you expecting? Well, I was just. Well, I was expecting to go like. Well, I'll be honest, I, I was expecting you to be a little bit more in depth with it, but you're just like, I dug the shit out of this. I'm like, that's a typical answer coming out of you. Well, because
0: because it's such a it's a very high concept movie and my uh, uh, my public education brain can only comprehend so much in one sitting. So I, I it's I feel like it's one of those movies that I need to definitely take a second watch on. Uh, just so I can uh, properly take in everything. Because there were definitely moments where I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on? Uh, mm-hmm. But but in a good way, in a very good way. And uh, and I, I, I did intend on taking a ton of notes, uh, j- just so I can actually sound like I know what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, but I was honestly really... Engrossed by the movie that I was too lazy to take notes. Uh, or I have a few written down, but definitely not not to the extent that I that I wanted to. But yeah, I mean, I I really I really love love this movie quite a bit. Uh, I love the. I mean, at first I was getting a little apprehensive because one of the very first shots, uh, it's a uh it's like a it's a shot hovering uh, hovering over the city and the building looked so much like a miniature. Uh, usually I, I love miniatures, but when it's, when it looks obvious, it always takes me out of it. And it, it I was, it, it looks like a, uh, like this. my very first impression was, oh my God, this looks like a rejected Tim Burton, Gotham, Gotham city model. Uh, but, uh, but shortly after that, it, uh, it definitely turned, turned everything around. And once the plot, uh, once the plot kicked into gear, it uh, it just kept getting better and better, and a majority of the shots looked like a work of art in a way. There was such yeah. care, there was such care and attention uh, crafted into nearly every shot, and I, I love the variety of camera angles that uh, um, that's uh, that's always given. the The lighting always looks on point in terms of film noir uh th- this is a phenomenal example of it and uh clearly th- there's a talented director behind this movie so i'm i'm shocked he goes from this to fucking gods of egypt
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of a wonder that he he went from like making some pretty good hits to that i don't know what the fuck that movie is i've uh, by the way um I remember I watched at least maybe the first 10 minutes and I was already entertained by how Gerard Butler just not, does not give a fuck <laughs> about his performance. He's just going to be like, all right, I'm here. I'm playing the villain in this movie. Let's Dude, do
0: this. Gerard Butler has such a weird career. <laughs> it's uh, it he's both in very good movies and then he's also in the most forgettable trash ever. And then sometimes he's just in very entertaining trash, but he's in a lot of trash,
1: which is sad because this guy is actually like a a damn good actor. It's a shame. He, that no, he he's, he's definitely some he, shit work.
0: He's definitely a talented guy, but man, he uh, doesn't make the best movie choices. Uh, no. I Actually, I heard uh, the one he just did recently. Uh, I think it was. I think it was like a disaster movie of some kind. Oh, yeah, I know, I
1: know this movie. I know what movie, know I know this what, movie you're talking what, about. What
0: the hell is it called? That's going to bug me now. Uh, da, 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 uh, Eric, uh, say something engaging so that <laughs> so that we still sound like professionals.
1: Well, what I was. Oh, Jesus, where the fuck is that coming from? OK, what I was going to say is Greenland. <laughs> what? I found I found the movie I was looking for Greenland. Oh, yeah, Greenland yeah no no I know the movie it, it, no, no, how I know this is because Chris Stugman did his review yeah. on that movie and I, I it wasn't. what I found interesting is that it's a very interesting perspective of a disaster from a from not the world but just a small town alone
0: oh Marina Bar, Bar Barcarin I can I always butcher her last name
1: oh, Anara
0: Inar- from Firefly <laughs>
1: She's also uh Vanessa in Deadpool. Just uh FYI. She'll always be in Nara. Yes, she will. And I will always I will always I mean, what are you talking about? I thought Kaylee was your woman. I thought Jewel State was your woman. I can have multiple. Okay, never mind. Going back to Dark City then. Um It's the verse. Yes, yes it is. So <laughs> rules don't well, yeah. apply. <laughs> So yeah, Dark City's very, it's very influenced by a lot of older films and especially film noir and a lot of like German expressionism. So it's very surreal in its approach. Very much a character study of like, what is it that makes us human? And like, is it our memories that makes us human? Or is it like the little small things that make us human? That sort of thing. I don't know if you paid attention, um, Jeff, when you were watching this, but so after so within st- still within the opening of the movie so when john first leaves the hotel he meets that um he comes across the hotel clerk and then obviously the strangers manipulate things so that it's a different hotel clerk but he comes across the same guy at a newspaper stand and i don't know if you noticed but he says the same thing as he did um that we the audience know he says that like uh, uh no good behavior um something about good behavior and work or whatnot Um, no reward for good. Oh yeah. No reward for good behavior. I think is the line. I do not remember something with good behavior, but, um, it makes you wonder like, is it, is it uh, our memories or is it just the smaller things or whatnot? Um, the other thing, so I don't, I know, have you seen Metropolis by any chance? Uh, in a film class. Yeah. Okay. So when you watched this, did you get a Metropolis kind of vibe to it? Because it's very much influenced by that movie. I, I
0: definitely did, and uh, another vibe I got, which I'd never, which I didn't expect, uh, all the what are they are they aliens or something?
1: So, yeah, the strangers. The way that it's explained is that uh, the strangers are extraterrestrials who use corpses as their hosts. They're essentially a dying race. They're looking for ways they're they're very much a hive mentality and they're they experiment with humans to kind of analyze their individuality kind of in the hopes that they might find a way to save their own species
0: and they all dress like tom hardy from star trek nemesis
1: (laughs) i was gonna say they dress more like uh the cenobites from uh hellraiser
0: that, yeah, actually, okay, yeah. It's, uh... It, okay, so, half Cenobite, half Tom Hardy from Star Trek Nemesis.
1: <laughs> okay, quick aside, I don't think Star Trek Nemesis is that bad. Um, definitely not the best way to end the Star Trek Next Generation series of films, but um, I do think Tom Hardy is one of the best parts about that movie.
0: I saw it once, like, <laughs> ten, 10 years ago. All, all I remember is a dune boogie chase scene and it, it is kind
1: of that is kind of out of left field that scene i will admit um it, it really was just there to create an action scene um but as we all know star Trek's not supposed to be about action but then again um I'm well jj abrams we'll did that. not get
0: did not get the memo on that
1: we'll leave that discussion for another time then but but yeah um the strangers are very much um that's their goal. They're trying to discover what is it that makes the, makes up a human soul, if you will. Um, and uh, they, again, yeah, they, the way, they have a very, they have the ability to tune, or as I like to call, telekinesis on steroids. They And they also have kind of like reality manipulating powers or more, or no, they use their telekinesis to, uh, warp the city, if you will, to uh, benefit their experiments. Because, like I said, they'll they'll set um, they'll set up um, scenarios for humans to so they can study um, how they work. And then the way they do, the way they change people's personalities around is that they give they they've created the the technology to uh, create false memories or new memories, if you will. And that's how they're able to see how people will interact or whatnot. And they have Dr. Schraber, um, played by Kiefer Sutherland, who, um, is kind of like their, he's, he's like their, he's like their unwilling slave. He kind of just go, he's the only one who kind of has his own free will or whatnot, um, outside of the rest of the populace and John Murdoch. Um, and so he's the one who administers the memories every time they change something, um, and then John, it's kind of interesting how John works. They never fully explain how, but John, because they do, ex, because you do see that John's not the only one who's awoken. There's a there's a police detective named Eddie Walensky who's who it seems like he's paranoid, but the truth is he's actually the most sane one in the entire city outside of John. Um, and he he realizes that the world he's in is like completely fake and so uh he's so like every time he's perceived as every time you see all these different like drawings in his uh, office or whatnot it's actually because he's trying to really figure out the truth behind what's going on it's almost like it's almost like kind of seeing how like conspiracy theories are like what's this and how's this connect and how's this connect and how's this connect and how's this connect reminds me of some people i know (laughs) to be honest
0: this okay like it it just kind of clicked with me. This is like a like a really uh, this is like a sci fi noir version of Truman Show.
1: Oh my god, I had not thought of that. I was I was thinking more in terms of the Matrix, to be honest. Um, did uh
0: what year did Truman Show come out? Because I swear that was that was so the Truman
1: years. Show. Oh god, I want no, that wasn't ninety three. That okay, when did the Truman Show come out? In the mean, because I know Truman Show was, was late nineties. 90. Oh, 98. Oh, shit. It came out. Well, here's the question Which movie came first? So, let's see. So, so Truman Show came
0: out uh, June 5th, of 98.
1: Dark City came out in February 27th, of
0: 98. So, I guess 98 was just the year of doubting your own reality.
1: Dude, And and then made
0: sure shit didn't help with that.
1: Dude. I remember, uh, I, after watching the Truman show, um, I, I looked up that apparently there were people, there was a phenomenon going around where people started going crazy and they really thought they were living in a Truman esque, like, like reality. And that the world we lived in was completely fake. Um, which is crazy. I mean, then again, there is that question of what is real and whatnot. Um, and it's very prevalent in this movie. Um, one of the things what I really liked is that the, the concept of you see, you know how there's all those spirals and stuff and the emphasis on the finger prints, because everyone's fingerprint is always different from everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, it is your own unique signature, if you will. So John's trying to figure out like, what is it that makes him himself? There's a great scene. I like, so like John, he's walking out on the street before he realizes his name is John, because he hasn't looked at his wallet yet because his wallet's at the automat. So he's kind of just like, so, what's your name, Murdoch? Murdoch. Hi, Jack Murdoch. Jay? Jerry. John. How are you doing, Jack Murdoch? <laughs> he just talks in a mirror, and then <laughs> and then like he just sees this guy just looking at him weirdly, and just like okay, and just walks the fuck away. <laughs> um, this is it's a, it's it's a fascinating. Like I said, it's a very fascinating look into what makes us human. I can't say that I, I feel like I've em- emphasized that so much. Um, what tell me jeff what were some things that you really liked in this
0: uh well, well like i mentioned uh the uh the shot structure uh the cinematography just in general like it's uh it's one of those movies that i just i wouldn't mind just having on my tv uh play in the background and and just occasionally just just look at it just to admire the the visual style uh but i also really uh uh, I thought the acting was really good i um uh, I really dug uh, I really dug the the twist and at first i I didn't know what to make of it uh, but as it uh, as the movie progressed, uh, I mean fuck it we're, we're we're spoiling the whole movie anyway. Uh, so it turns this out is this, our
1: show after all
0: exactly. <laughs> uh, so if you have not uh, seen Dark City, Well, you've had over 20 years, so that's kind of on you. Uh, So it turns out the city is not a city. It's a motherfucking spaceship.
1: Kind of. I mean, it's like a it's like a floating city in space. It it looks like
0: it it looks like if the world if the. Uh, If the main city in Blade Runner and Cloud City had a kid.
1: (laughs) Mixed in with some film noir and Metropolis would be my other like suggestions.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And. And that. uh, I don't know, like I haven't really seen that done before, and I thought that was a really unique, uh, unique approach. Uh, Is this based off? A novel or anything or
1: so uh, fascinating so interesting story so when he was writing the story um proyas he when he was he when he came up with the story apparently he shopped it around but everyone told him like this felt too much like a novel so he got two screenwriters to help him out to flesh it into an actual screenplay so he got lem Dobbs, um who's written um he's written another, I guess his best known work outside of this would be, um, the limely. And then he, Oh, I guess he also did some uncredited revisions for the SWAT movie in 2003. But, um, Oh, he also wrote and co-produced Gotti. Uh, <laughs> uh and then, um, movie past really
0: presents co- Gotti. <laughs>
1: And then you're really not, Jeff, you're really not going to like who also co wrote this movie um, with Proyas. Oh, no. David um, Esquire. Uh... <laughs> wow, you're going on, Trying on like that. Well, to be fair, I mean, sure. He, a lot of people give him shit for writing um batman v superman man of steel but he all, it's because of him that we got blade and we also got the dark knight trilogy and of course he also said some pretty fucked up shit about she-hulk so we'll just leave it there uh, uh. <laughs> that's that's pretty much your answer that's pretty much how jeff feels about uh david escort going okay real quick um going back to the actual movie so quick question for you um, it kind of sounds like to me you watched a certain version of the movie that I think you watched. But when you watched the opening of the movie, it there was no open. There was there any opening narration by any chance?
0: Uh, no, it kind of just it kind of just uh, dropped uh, dropped you in.
1: OK, good. So the movie you watched, the version you watched is the director's cut. So that's Alex Preuss's intended version of the film.
0: OK, yeah, because um, I, I, I didn't know there were two versions, of, two versions of the movie until after I started watching.
1: So I yeah, I honestly, so I, I didn't know which one I watched. So unfortunately, the so how I first well, how I first know about this movie is because um, when 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 I used to watch Nostalgia Critic, he reviewed the Matrix films and he mentioned Dark City in there. And there is a lot of like unfortunate like comparisons to Dark City and the Matrix. It's just it's just uh, inevitable, pun intended, because that is a word that Agent Smith uses. But um, so the way I finally watched it was it was the first day, the very first day of my advanced film theory course uh, when I was in college. Um,
0: that's the most hipster thing I've ever heard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is, unfortunately, isn't it? But the way so, yeah, the way I watched it was it was in that course. It was the very first film ever in that course. Um, we unfortunately watched the theatrical cut and it had the opening narration in it. The reason why the opening narration is in there is because uh, New Line Cinema went to Alex Proyas and went, uh, people are not going to know what the fuck is going on in this movie. Can you please make some sort of can you make Kiefer do like a little voiceover to kind of introduce uh, what was so going on?
0: So it sounds like what happened to Blade Runner when they when they awkwardly made Harrison Ford uh, do those narrations. Uh, Didn't four
1: Ford just sound like he was he was not having it at all during those. Narrations? Oh, yeah. No,
0: like, no, just uh, just listen to it. It sounds like it sounds like he had more fun. I
1: have. I have. I mean, that was it, the it, first time I ever watched Blade Runner 2 was with those narrations, unfortunately.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. I know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, by the sound of his voice. It looked like he had a more fun time being in the holiday special.
1: <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the narrations for Blade Runner. Um, I hate to call him out, but Galen, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) Because Galen really likes (laughs) Galen really likes the voiceover narration for Blade Runner. But then again, I think that's the version he watched first. Yeah, it's the version he watched first. Um, So there's like five cuts, right? Because I've I've only seen. I mean, there's like I mean, yeah, there's that. There's like some fan cut that was made. Well, fan, fan, fan edits don't count. No, they don't. And then there was a director's cut, and then there was a final cut. And the final cut is the version that everyone should watch because that's the director's really...
0: cut, and then the final cut. It's like it's like it's this is my oxymoron, cut. It? No, no, no. This is my final cut. It's like it's kind of like
1: how when God. it's kind of like how like Watchmen has like three versions. It has the theatrical cut. There's the director's cut, and then there's the ultimate cut. And Jesus. but. Um, yeah, because the ultimate cut includes everything that's in the original uh, story, because when Watchmen was first ma- when they released Watchmen, they released, uh, obviously, there was the director's cut that came afterwards. But um, there is an animated segment, animated movie called Tales of the Black Freighter that was supposed to be uh, serving as a parallel to what was going on in the story um, in Watchmen. And that was released as a separate animated movie. So what they did in the ultimate cut is that they just incorporated the animated movie into the director's cut. And that's how you get the ultimate cut. So they just, they just edit the two together pretty much. That's well, that's well, that's to give the official overall feeling of the original graphic novel, to be fair. Okay. Um, Uh, Although it's interesting, Zack Snyder says that the version he prefers is the director's cut. So that means watching the ultimate cuts pointless, apparently.
0: So I guess uh, uh, not to get not to strain too far, uh, uh, just since it's, uh, you know, we're talking Zack Snyder and alternative cuts. What the fuck do you think about the Snyder cut?
1: Um, well, let, let me ask you first, because... <laughs> Let me ask you first, uh, you never truly answered a question to me um, uh, for the listeners um, for the I mean, because it's funny, you've always said to me that you've never really like you like that Snyder is a great visual storyteller, but he's not the best at
0: so. Um, at so, so Zach Snyder. For the most part, I don't like his movies. I think he has an interesting style and he seems he seems like a good dude. But just as a storyteller, I think he can be pretty fucking self-indulgent to the point where it's uh, it's the worst type of pretentiousness in in movies where you think you're a genius with your subtleties and your subtext. But the way you're delivering it is so on the nose and obvious that it requires no major critical thinking skills to actually convey what you're trying to trying to present. Uh, you know, and, and I think one of the best examples is Man of Steel. Like th- there's, well, like 10 scenes in there of uh, of su- Superman is Jesus. And it's so it's like when you when you have a scene where he's like floating out of the ship with the light behind him and his arms like stretched out. It's like,
1: fuck off movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, so uh, it's it, so let's just be clear. Jeff's not a fan, but um, yeah. So I, I really hate- surprised me. That being said. I'm surprised by what you have to say about the even though, so at the time is at the time of this recording, we are about at least a month or two of like 40 something odd weeks away from the Snyder cut. And I was very surprised by what Jeff has to say about the Snyder cut.
0: Yeah. So, so basically uh, I hate man of steel. I fucking hate Batman versus Superman. And the, uh, the version that got re- uh, the version of justice league that got released in theaters was a catastrophe. But it was a case where I could it. It's one of the defining examples of studio interference. And when you when you watch it, you can just tell what was shot. What was Zack Snyder and what was Joss Whedon? And it, uh it, the movie itself was just a complete train wreck. And uh, then the rumors started coming out that there was uh, that there was a different cut of of Justice League out there, and it had scenes like Black Suit Superman, uh uh that uh uh what the fuck's his name? Steppenwork. There were
1: extended scenes of Cyborg. Yeah, like, like that uh, really yeah, fleshed yeah. into his character. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, Cyborg got uh, got more got more scenes. Uh so it, it just sounded like a completely different movie. And and uh, you know, at first I, I was hesitant, but then uh Zack Slander kept uh tweeting out uh you know just little images of what were clearly deleted scenes. And, and then the whole online movement started, uh, started buzzing after that. And God, I
1: gave up so much after, can I just be real quick? I, I, I mean, as much as I leading up to the, the, annou- the official announcement, I was just like, dude, like it, it fucking let it go. I mean, like if the Snyder cut happens, just it happens. It really should have been done. Like right after it really should have been released right after the movie. I mean, I'm glad it's finally coming out, but God, I I mean, I mean, all that
0: shit. I mean, it wouldn't have been made unless, or it wouldn't have been finished unless the actual demand was there.
1: And I know, and
0: And the only only reason that it even got greenlit was because of the, uh, was because of the acquisition uh, from AT&T who was looking to, make content for HBO max to, to draw in, uh, uh tr- to draw in potential subscribers. And if that didn't happen, then there's no way that it would have been greenlit because doing that is basically in a mission of defeat on behalf of Warner brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause it would be like, uh, like the, the rise of Skywalker, for example, if, uh, when you watch that movie, it just seems like it was hacked in the editing room and And you feel like there's missing scenes and subplots. And it just feels like a very incomplete movie. And if there if there was proof of of different extended scenes of of throughout the movie that wouldn't have saved it, but would have at least provided better context and a more streamlined uh, plot, then I would at least be open to seeing it. But the difference is, is. You know, Disney's never going to be bought out by anyone. So, if there are missing scenes like that, you're never going to see them because Disney mm-hmm. will never admit defeat like that. So, I'm mostly fascinated by the Snyder Cut, not because I think the product itself will be a great work of art, or that oh my god, I've seen the light. It uh, I was <laughs> wrong. I, I was wrong about the DCEU all this time. It it's actually uh, Zack Snyder's actually a magical genius. No, not at all. It, it'll probably still suck, but it's one of those things that I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad that it came into existence because of passionate fans that that uh, made their uh, made their voices loud, uh, loud and clear. And so, I, and I think it's a testament to what can be accomplished if uh, if fans can can pull together and get and get behind something and so i i'm going to watch it just because it actually exists now and i think it's uh you know i don't think it, it should be applied to every movie like i like i think david ayer was saying that he wants to release his cut of Suicide Squad's like I no, don't that movie is a complete I, turd. I, that I, I, movie I don't, I don't
1: fucking saved. care. No, maybe it'll never be saved.
0: But at least, at least with Justice League, there is at least elements to it that I am interested in seeing. Because, uh, yeah, I, I want to see Black Suit Superman. I mean, even though I don't like Man of Steel, I like Henry Cavill as Superman, so i I want to see. I want to see what was cut out. I like Ben Affleck as Batman. I feel bad that he kept getting trapped in these shitty movies and never really had a chance to actually shine. So we'll be good. Probably not, but I'm interested and Mm. coming from someone who hated most of these movies to begin with. I never thought I would expect to say that, but uh, yeah, that is my thoughts on the Snyder cut in this podcast episode talking about dark city because because that's uh, what we do.
1: But it brings up a good point, though, in the fact that like, again, Alex Proyas got screwed in the like screwed in the ass because New Line Cinema really were trying to find a way to market this movie and really try to get people to watch this movie and not like try and figure out what was going on. And so, you know, that's why that version, the theatrical version exists, because New Line Cinema, it sounded like to me at least, maybe didn't really have a lot of hope for this picture. Um, And so they decided the best way to like entice people was just to spoil the movie at the very fucking beginning. And therefore we have that theatrical cut. Um, Yeah. I've, and so I'm very glad that, that, um, because I don't know when the director's cut came out. I think it came out, um, oh, actually it came out in 2008, surprisingly. Okay. So, Ten years after its release, did a director's cut come out. And I'm glad that we got to see a ver- the intended version. I'm I really wish that was the version I saw because I really didn't want to as much as I love a narration by Kiefer Sutherland, it would have been best to have tried and figure out the mystery for itself. Cause that's what good filmmaking is. Is like if it encap if it encaptures or if it if it hooks you and sinks you, then you're just really fascinated and just really into the story. So to have it spoiled for you is just a big what the fuck. Um, did uh, uh, did you ever see Event Horizon? I know of I know about that story. Um, I have not, but I do know that there's another version of that film exists, but most of that footage got destroyed in a fire. Um, yeah,
0: because I I think the uh, the footage was not uh, stored away properly and. Uh, the, uh, the film stock is, uh, is very flammable and, Ugh, and, that's, uh, that size. and when it uh, I think when event horizon was coming out, uh, I think it was originally like two and a half hours long and, uh, they just had to, uh, hack away at, uh, at, at the movie in like weeks leading up to, to its premiere. And, uh, and thankfully the, uh, I mean the movie itself, I, I think is awesome. Uh, it's
1: it's I, one of the few Paul W.S. Anderson movies that actually is good, it's the you know, one aside movie aside of his... from the first Mortal Kombat film.
0: I still haven't seen that, actually. Have uh, you
1: not really seen that movie? I haven't. Uh, I gotta get you, it's a, I got to get you to watch that movie, especially especially because um, I kind of want to talk about the that movie before the new one comes out. Um, so I really would like to discuss it. Where the point. fuck's the trailer for that movie? It comes out in like three weeks. I know, right? I'm really kind of, I'm fuck. I really want to see that movie. This so does actually
0: do. exists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least like, at least with that one, with that movie, like at least we weren't dick teased with a trailer as much as Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, thankfully when, when that trailer finally dropped, it was a great trailer, but mm. man, that was the longest wait for a trailer that I've ever experienced.
1: I mean the only things we've seen for Mortal Kombat are like some footage for HBO Max is a uh, like yeah like like catalog like 2-second se- like sti- clips. Yeah, and then we've seen some stills, but uh, so far I like what I see. I would just like to see a full fucking trailer. Thank you very much.
0: Is it going to be R?
1: It's got to be cuz I hear they're going to include fatalities. Like okay yeah because
0: I, I was gonna say if they finally rebooted Mortal Kombat and made a PG 13 again <laughs> it's like well, you didn't learn what a fucking I'm thing. more
1: excited what I'm more excited about is that scorpion and sub-zero are actually gonna be proper characters instead of just side characters that they were or just like people that you know characters that the main characters have to fight <laughs> or whatnot uh, isn't
0: but, uh isn't the uh, uh I'm blanking on his name, but he uh he was the 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 Black Power Ranger in the 2017.
1: Yeah, uh, Ludi Power Lin. Ranger. Yeah, he he plays Liu Kang in the in the. Okay, movie. yeah, I was gonna say that's that's solid casting. He does kind of look like Liu Kang too, so I, I'll give him props for that. But okay, back to the <laughs> see what we're talking about, folks. We just this, this is the most sidetracked topic episode. And you just ever. Get right into it. Yep. And, um, and like, I
0: thought and I thought Tremors Three was a clusterfuck review. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler oh by the way we record episodes simultaneously so um that's just a little um preview of what tremors 3 is going to be like but then again we'll just get to that point when it gets there but um what i would like to kind of discuss a little bit is did you pay attention to a little bit of the score in this movie in dark city
0: i i did yes uh what
1: isn't it pretty fucking awesome or a pretty it, fucking epic?
0: It is it. Uh, I mean, like, I, I need to, I need to listen to it by itself uh, just cause I was, I was really engaged with, uh, uh, I was, re- I can't talk right now. I was really engaged with, uh, with the story uh-huh, and, nice. uh, and uh, I was mostly just trying to, I was admiring the, the cinematography. So I need to, I need to, to definitely go back and just uh, listen to the score by itself. And uh I think Oliver Harper did, a uh, did a review on this, so I'm probably going yeah, to Yeah,
1: So Oliver Harper in his retrospective said that the soundtrack is kind of pretty much, I think it's out of it's out of date, but you can still find like the score on YouTube. And if, if you, if you go on eBay, be prepared to any up quite a bit from what I understand. Uh It's one of those. Um, yeah, it's well, it's so the score was done by Trevor Jones, a uh, long time film score. Oh, shit, film. what? He yeah, a, he, a, I just uh, realized he d- he did the score for he, Labyrinth, which also stars Jennifer Connolly. He composed Dinotopia. Oh, he did. Oh, yes, he did.
0: That's actually, that's actually one of my favorite scores of all time.
1: Is it? Because I really enjoy this score for Dark City. It's like, it's very bombastic in its approach. So, like, um, so whenever so like when uh, when John fights <laughs> fights the strangers, at least the head stranger at the very end, like goes dun, 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 dun. it's like it's almost like a dark it's almost like a bombastic Batman score. Like if this is how if this if a Batman score was more epic sounding what than what Danny Elfman or Christopher Nolan, I mean, uh, Hans Zimmer uh, ever re- uh, did, it would be this bombastic. It would be. Oh, this, totally. This big. <laughs> um. By the way, so, um, I know they used part of, when they did the trailers for the matrix, I think some of the music was used for dark city in the trailer spots.
0: Like they, uh, they took music from uh, dark city, uh, yeah. used it for, for matrix. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think,
1: I think dark city soundtrack has been used in quite a few, um, trailers as well for other movies. Um, side note. So the matrix we're going to be talking about the matrix quite a bit right now but um i so the matrix was obviously film obviously came out a year after um dark city and you obviously will see a lot of parallels in there in terms of like what it means to be human and whatnot and do is the reality we live in real or fake um but i thought this was a side note so um the rooftop scenes or the rooftop sets when John is running across the rooftops. Um, a lot of those rooftop sets are used in the matrix, at least in the opening is where the opening of the matrix, when Trinity is being chased by the agents and the cops. So those are reused, uh, rooftop sets from dark city.
0: The more, you know,
1: dun, 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 Ta-da-da! Um, But, okay, Uh, in terms of characters, um, I really, I I feel like, um, yeah, the acting in this movie is pretty solid overall for the most part. Um, I think, though, I think the best performance is probably Kiefer Sutherland, to be honest. Like, he's, so, I mean, I'm used to seeing Kiefer Sutherland play, like, some pretty hardcore characters. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's, I forget what his name is in uh, The Lost Boys, but he's such a good He's used to play. He's usually playing the bad guy or like hardcore antiheroes. Um, obviously, you see, you, you see
0: Stand By Me, right?
1: Yeah, dude. He was such a dick in that movie. Dude, he was, he
0: was he was shit your pants scary in that in that movie. At, at certain he was points, good,
1: he was a good bad guy in that movie, to be fair. Um, and then, of course, if you watch 24, obviously did. Let me ask you, did he win? I mean, did he get nominated at least for any Emmys for that show?
0: I'm sure he must have. I mean that. I mean the fucking show was on for eight seasons,
1: and then they had, and then they had at least like one um, spinoff season.
0: Oh yeah, so the, they had, um, they had season. like a, they had like a limited series uh, where Kiefer Sutherland came back. I, I actually, I hated that. Uh, the, the way it ended pissed me off so much. And then they tried to do a straight up spinoff uh, with a different lead actor, and I, th- I think it was Corey Hawkins. Uh, I mean. Uh, Corey Hawkins is a great actor, but I think I watched the first episode and it it just felt like
1: same shit, different day. And I think the only person that returned from the original series was uh, it was like this one agent that apparently went bad. Am, am I yeah, right? Yeah,
0: uh, uh, Tony Almeida was the character name. Mm. uh Yeah, there was a. Uh, yeah, actually, th- throughout the series, uh, you know, he-, he goes through a really interesting character arc, and he uh, he was one of my favorite characters on the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I don't know. It uh, w- without without Jack, it uh, it-, it just kind of felt like a, a cheap cash in. Uh, well, so I think
1: that goes to I think that goes to show that Keith Sutherland has a very unique screen presence it doesn't it doesn't matter what kind of character he plays. It's just what the what he just brings to the table alone makes or breaks uh, the movie or at least the moments. because when he plays Daniel Schraber, um, I am just convinced that he is just this creepy, uh, kind of broken um, shell of a man who still has his scientific expertise, but the strangers have just beaten the fuck out of him so much that he just, he he just wants to find a way to like like destroy them, and so when John when John figures out a, f- a way to tune or d- discovers his ability to tune, he's like, this is his chance to really kind of like escape the strangers and just destroy them finally for taking away everything that he knew and loved and whatnot, or potentially um, that that's a very creepy performance, um, not creepy, but there, just a. Different. Almost uncomfortable? Very different. Like I said, I mean the last thing I ever saw or the last thing with anything that I saw or played with um was Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, and uh Kiefer Sutherland came into voice um uh solid snake or big boss no not solid snake, big boss essentially in oh badass that game. Yeah. Um although I really I mean, don't get me wrong, I love David Hayter, but I thought he uh Kiefer Sutherland just brought a whole new like gravita to that role um there's a twist to that too but um I, i'll get to that whenever we talk about metal gear um uh i think that jennifer connelly just she has a special unique innocence to her um she's very much a um even though even though um it she you get the sense that like even she's like not totally convinced that um that she's married to him because I don't know if you noticed this, but you know, remember when she first meets detect inspector Bumstead and she's like playing with the ring finger as if it's not supposed to be there. So she kind of subconsciously, she knows that she's not married, but somehow her feelings, somehow her feelings for John are real in a, in a sense, like she genuinely does care about his, about him. And then, Leading to John himself, um, what a fascinating like journey for him, like to figure out to figure out like his whole life is a lie um, that's been fabricated just for an experiment. Oh, by the way, Jeff, I have a very important question for you. What's that? Do you know Shell Beach? (sighs) Yeah, I know Shell Beach. Do you know how to get there?
0: Uh... (laughs) (laughs) okay i i will say uh i uh probably the uh uh one of the big oh shit moments for me was uh was the first was the first time it struck midnight and everything and everyone just comes to a screeching halt and falls asleep
1: Uh, the way the way
0: the way john is just trying to he's just like running around like doesn't know what the fuck is going on and he's like screaming at people like, like wake, wake up wake up Wake up!"
1: up. Wake like, up. That,
0: the, the way that was done like the way everything just stops and it was That's brilliant so, filmmaking it was that that was creepy man and uh the way it, it just
1: picks right back up like nothing ever happened right and then in that time he sees so in that time so during that time he sees that like there's this couple that are like down on their luck and whatnot. And then when the strangers come in and change everything, they're now wealthy. Uh, They now live in some like fucking like rich, wealthy, small mansion. And they're like, well, you know, I'm finally stopped working on the night shifts and whatnot. And now it's like, I will say their, their
0: their acting was
1: balls. (laughs) (laughs) It was, kind of, it was kind of bland acting. Oh, by the way, Wait. you could totally tell those actors were ADR'd for sure. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it's like their, their entire delivery. It, it, I felt like I was in my acting one class all over again. I'm like, oh, no, I thought I escaped this.
1: <laughs> well, the whole point is you're supposed to be believable. Like the way you deliver a line, you have to really and you have to say it with intent. I don't think I bought that one moment.
0: No, and I mean, I, I love the... Uh, uh, I love the scene. It's just their, Uh, uh it's just the, those two actors in, in particular, like their delivery was so off and it's, uh, it, it kind of took away a little bit from the, uh, from the gravitas of, of the scene, at least for me, because I'm, 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 I'm the asshole that tries to pick apart <laughs> a, any, any or all details. Um, uh,
1: speaking of details, then, uh, how did you feel? But so remember this is 1998. Yes. Um, CGI is still very much in its early stages, kind of. Um, I, post,
0: mean, I mean, definitely post Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic Park is is like the is like the the the, the pinnacle. And then uh, pretty much if you're comparing, if you're trying to determine CGI, Jurassic Park is kind of the gold standard, I think. Either that or, or Terminator 2. So <laughs> So like whenever you're talking CGI, you, you kind of at least like my instinct is to c- compare it to uh, either those two movies. Like uh, yeah,
1: no, no, yeah, because like I mean, what Terminator Two came in what 92? movies st- ninety one that movie still fucking holds up, um, especially for the CGI alone. And then obviously, Jurassic how sad are. is
0: it? How sad is it that the CGI in Dark Fate. It doesn't look anywhere near as good as Terminator 2.
1: I forget. Oh, yeah. Well, to be fair, I didn't see Terminator Dark Fate. Just, just looking
0: at the trailers, man, it's like, it, God, that CGI was
1: balls. I'm sure it did. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. The, the CGI, though, I think it's, you know, it's passable for what it is. It's very blatant, though, in your face, the CGI. Um, yeah and and, and luckily it's not used much
0: and and like i said earlier uh some of the model work was a little wonky
1: but but i do but you do agree though that the design of the city is oh yeah no like like uh, yeah like
0: yeah the the actual design of the city is fantastic and but it's just uh at least in the beginning it got better as it as it progressed but Mm -hmm. uh, uh but there were definitely some uh uh I'm not sure if it was just the way it was filmed or the way it was lit or uh, the way the kind of lenses they were using. Uh, just the way some of, some of those shots were presented. It's it. it uh, I don't know. It, it I had the this was pointed directly at a model type of uh, type of vibes off. Was of it the it, very it,
1: was it the very first kind of like zoom in shot of the hotel that John. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that does was kind the, of stand out a bit. I will admit.
0: Yeah, that that was a major one for me, and a few throughout. But um, but as the movie progressed, it uh, it uh, it, uh, it was definitely a lot less blatant, and and I was able to to look past it.
1: Um, yeah. No. It by far. It's by far. I think I think that's what makes it. I mean, again, this is another situation of practicals and CGI. I think the practicals are really great. I love. The, I really enjoy the miniature work. Um, uh, like because it, it's going to hold up pretty well especially when you add like the monotone kind of color f- the singular kind of colors for the noir-esque feeling along with the German expressionism that goes along with it um, by the way speaking of speaking of editing or just pacing wise so I don't know if you noticed this but it was brought to my attention when so there's a YouTube channel I follow called Off The Shelf Reviews there are these two guys named Gary and Ian out of, um, out of the UK and they reviewed this movie and they mentioned that each shot is only, only lasts a maximum of like seven seconds and then it cuts to, and then it like cuts to the next shot. Yeah. Uh, kind of, it's kind of like, you know how, like sometimes how memories will just come and go as they please, I guess, if you will, um, yeah. I'm not sure what it was, but I just thought that was a fascinating editing choice in that matter. But I mean, I think this movie is very well paced for its price. I, I do,
0: too, uh, because I think some uh, because usually high concept sci fi movies like this, uh, they'll try to have over over long uh, run times and very few are actually justified in in that long run time like I feel uh, uh, Blade Runner 2049 is a good example very long movie but uh, but I feel like the the story itself uh, justifies the runtime. Uh, and if this movie tried to pull something similar where it was you know well over two two and a half hours then it would have Definitely overstate its welcome, but I feel this movie gets uh, it gets right to the point. It uh, does a really good job at introducing you to the world, the environment. Uh, and I I like movies that just drop you in the in the thick of, of a situation. And you're
1: especially something like this, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Which and uh, again,
1: I don't sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. But again, it just goes back to that point I addressed earlier where. I really wish I had watched the director's cut of this film instead, instead of like being, unfortunately watching the theatrical cut and having the movie pretty much spoiled in a narrative voiceover. Um, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm kind of glad that I, I mean, cause, cause again, I didn't know there were two versions, so I'm glad the one I happened to watch happened to be the good version. Hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, Uh. but, yeah, but like, yeah, like I was saying, uh, Uh, When a movie is just able to drop you in in the in the middle of a situation, you don't know what's going on. You feel just as confused as uh, as the lead protagonist. It's uh, I feel like that's a good way to get attached to that character. And then you just watch the mystery unfold from there. And as uh, as it goes on, you're just seeing more of the world. And the fact that they're able to do this in an hour and forty five you know, tell a tell a good story, build a good world, and and not not overstay. It's welcome. I think adds a lot to rewatch value. Mm. And uh, even though you know, like I said earlier, I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but I'm not rewatching it every uh you know every every few months or something just because <laughs> it's it's so fucking long. Which and, it is. And you can definitely enjoy the experience, but putting in the runtime, it's uh, it, you basically have to plan ahead for that. But a movie like this, you can definitely get a genuinely strong sci-fi noir experience to uh, to the highest standard, and and still and but just experience it at a standard film runtime, which which I, I think benefits this movie greatly
1: how'd you feel about the production design Uh, i didn't i meant to ask you this earlier but like so they kind of so schraber kind of mentions that like um that they're just kind of plucked that they're not really sure where they come from obviously it it sounds like they come from earth but it it seems it's not really sure when from earth they were all these people were plucked out of but um I like the I like the idea that like the world looks like a weird, a weird noirish version of Earth. Like it's a mixture of at least the twenty, no, at least like the thirties to like the sixties, with a little blend of with, like a little hint of like modern clothing here and there. Like not very That's much. The of- time I noticed them, the the only time I saw modern clothing was like some people wearing hoodies in the subway.
0: That's kind of what I liked is, uh, is that there's almost like a, I mean, once the twist is revealed, that kind of leaves a sense of ambiguity where you don't really know where or when these people were, uh, were plucked from earth and you don't really know what kind of uh, world that they, that they were uh, left or that they left. Uh, it could have been, it could have just been normal or it could have been a dystopian shithole. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think the best, uh, the best sci-fi stories leave just enough open to where you're able to make your own interpretation. And, and I think that kind of leaves a better lasting impression. You know, if you, you go back and think, you know, you try to fill in the gaps yourself. And I think that, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like, I like when a story is able to do that, where it's, uh, it still, it leaves, it leaves, it, 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 it leaves leave, you, it leaves you, it leaves you with plenty, but, uh, but not everything is filled in. And so, mm-hmm. so the rest, the rest is up to you. And I, 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 I like when movies pull that.
1: Well, no, it's good. Cause like it makes you think and it, op- and it offers for more, uh, future watches or future vi- revisits or whatnot um, that I think that's the, those are the marks of a good movie where it makes you want to rewatch it again to get another like uh sense of like, okay, so I got this and I got this let's rewatch again. Okay. I got that. I got that. Okay. Let's do this again. And then you slowly piece it all together and you're like, Oh, so that's how this movie works. Okay. That's, that's like I said, that's another high mark. Of good filmmaking. Like, this is very unique in terms of that. Um, cause I, I would, I actually, the, just this last time that I rewatched it, I noticed some new things too. Um, I do, I'm trying to remember what it was specifically, but, um, I think it was, I think it was, uh, shit, what was it? I know I definitely picked something up, but, ah, fuck. Um, I may not be able to remember it, but I know I, for sure, I definitely picked something up rewatching this, but, um, yeah it's it's yeah it's such a it's very stylistic in his choice. Um I kind of want to uh we did we we briefly mentioned that they're half cinnabite <laughs> and half Tom Hardy from <laughs> or half Shinzon if you will, but uh, how did you feel about The Stranger's overall? Like what how how did you feel about their concept?
0: Well, first off, uh fuck that creepy little kid
1: and <laughs> That's true. That kid was a fucking little creepy kid, wasn't he? Uh, I mean, I I like
0: them a lot. Uh, they right off the bat they they had an intimidating presence. Uh, you knew that uh, they weren't ones to be fucked with. And just through uh, Kiefer Sutherland's uh, mannerisms, he's terrified being around them. Like he uh, he kind of knows that one wrong thing said or done, then he's he's dead. Mm. And and I think, uh, and I think that they're able to still create that menacing persona without, uh, without anyone going over the top, uh, without, uh, without anyone, you know, overstepping the boundaries. Like they, they find just, uh, just the right amount of uh, intimidating and a little over the top. But being that it, that being that they're a dying race. I think helps add an extra layer to making them a little more interesting where it's not just, uh, it's not just good guys versus uh, versus bad guys. It's uh, like, there's, it's a little more complicated than that. And and I think, uh, cause it would have been so easy to just, just make them generic, uh, generic bad guys. And I'm glad this movie took a more, uh, took a more interesting route to actually fleshing out, pushing out the villains and giving them a legitimate motivation to what they're doing, even though it's, you know, from, from a human's perspective, it seems like it it's terrible, but if you were in their shoes, you know, they're, they're just looking to survive and I
1: never really thought of it that way before, but it definitely makes sense.
0: And I think, uh, uh, yeah, so, so I think that's, uh, that's kind of what makes the movie just overall more interesting is, uh, uh, you know, because, you know, going back to, to Blade Runner, you know, you have uh, countless metaphors of humanity and, uh, you know, that, you know, I feel like a majority of that is, you know, centered on, on, uh, why am I blanking? R- Rutger Hauer. I almost forgot his name. Uh, you know, part of his entire character arc is, you know, uh, is wanting to live and instead of uh, you know like the uh, the final his final moment of choosing to do a very human thing by saving Harrison Ford it, uh like that alone could that alone made him such a more engaging villain rather than just being generic bad guy that Harrison Ford has, has to fight when you're uh, so whether it's tackling uh, artificial life or uh, or extraterrestrial of some kind, uh, when you're actually given the chance to hop into their side of it. I, I always find that more engaging than just simple bad guy stuff, simple, just, villains just
1: villains or whatnot. whatnot.
0: Yeah, just uh, just so pretty, pretty much like 90 percent of the MCU villains. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just
1: at least the least DC, DC villains are memorable. are memorable. At least at the least Joker.
0: Joker. Uh it it depends what part of DC <laughs> you're you're pulling from. Yeah, I, yeah, guess I guess so. Alright,
1: fine. Jesus. That's Bruce the... Wayne meets Clark Kent. <laughs> I knew you were gonna pull it in the Jesse Eisenberg in there. <sighs> okay. Um uh what i oh fuck i lost my train of thought there but um but yeah i was just thinking of the tears in the rain monologue that's a beautiful monologue
0: apparently uh i think roger howard improvised all that oh yeah
1: i'm just looking it up here you know there's an entire wikipedia article just dedicated to that monologue god damn (laughs) (laughs) um you know, what I would, what I was going to say about, there's a character, one of the more memorable characters is one of the strangers. It's Mr. Hand and Mr. Hand, when, I, when they imprint the intended memories for John Murdoch becomes very satisfyingly like delicious as a villain. Apparently, apparently his actor uh, Richard O'Brien is a very like popular actor back in the UK um, and all over Harper. And, um, the guys on off the shelf off the shelf reviews really say that he's quite a prolific actor but um yeah he he steals the scenes whenever he comes in and acts creepy as fuck um absolutely especially when like so when he when he uses john's memories fake memories to find emma on the waterfront and he's just like i met my wife here over by a ferry that's how i met my husband Small world. Uh, just the way he speaks too. Yeah, the way, the, I mean, obviously it's a hive mentality, but the way they all, the way they speak, they're very like, very like almost monotone, but calm and quiet. Um, very Cal- very I'd cold say like, calculating.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, which makes it, and by the way, Mr. Book, um, <laughs> that's a fucking, that's a fucking uh, main big boss if i ever saw one his epic throwdown with john um, is by far one of the best highlights of the movie especially so john like gets this gets like new memories implanted into him so that he now has full control over his abilities and he just epically just destroys the (laughs) destroys the group or the strangers and it's just this giant teleconnect telekinetic fight um and oh by the way we forgot to mention the strangers uh Uh, when we're not seeing their, seeing them take control of human corpses, they look like weird, weird, uh, I don't know what the hell they are, but they look like weird jellyfish creatures with, uh, spiral teeth. And it's very blatant, ancient CGI. Um, so that's one aspect of the movie that doesn't hold up is that weird creature design kind of reminds me of something I saw in mortal Kombat 1995.
0: Oh, a fucking reptile or whatever.
1: <laughs> close. Damn near close, almost. Um, although, I will say, it's still better CGI than all of what the fuck Mortal Kombat Annihilation was. <laughs> okay, let me tell you. I kind of I kind
0: of want to see that movie. <laughs>
1: don't, don't, don't do yourself a favor, spare yourself. Unless you want Brian Thompson to just go in your head and be like, Earth is under attack, and it is <laughs> glorious. Too bad you will, will die. die. <laughs> That's... Mother, you're alive. <laughs> it's uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, it's, a horrible, it's a horrible mess. The only good fight in that movie is between Sor- Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, god damn it, I really want that new Mortal Kombat movie. Fucking release the trailer, god damn it. Uh, going back to Mortal Kombat all over again. Okay. Um, but bef- uh, before we finish before we get sidetracked though um, overall uh Jeff what are your final impressions of dark City
0: I am very glad that I went into this movie completely blind I uh, I was able to get uh, I was able to get an immediate hook by uh, uh by the way the movie began and as it uh, as it continued just uh getting introduced to, uh, to the world, the, uh, the mood, uh, all the characters, and then learning the final revelations. It, uh, it's, it definitely left a, uh, a very good impression on me. And I, I, definitely want to, want to watch it
1: again. For me, For me um, um, Oh God, God. Not, not the echo. echo. Oh, Gen-ler. Gen-ler. I, hate I hate my, my technical difficulties so much. Oh, there it goes. um, I'm leaving.
0: The and there's my, my
1: uh, musical talents there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, for me, uh, it's, it's a very, like I said, it's a very fascinating study on what makes us human and what is real and whatnot. I, I love, I really enjoyed John's journey into trying to figure out what is the truth and what is not. Um, I'm glad that he finally was able to get to Shell beach <laughs> or at least create show beach at the end. Um, I'm glad that he gets to, um, I'm glad he gets to connect with uh, Anna, AKA Emma because she gets new memories at the end, but spoilers fucking again, but yeah, yeah, no, I really like how stylistically it looks. It's very much a noir film. It's more than just a science fiction film. I like the mystery trying to figure out again. Um, the truth behind the dark city. Um, the twist is great. I just wish I had watched the director's cut instead. Fucking God damn it. <laughs> I get, I, I'm never going to let that go. Um, and then I, I really, the score is bombastic and incredible. I love it. Uh, the acting again is solid. Uh, the direction and writing alone are, are also on point here, but yeah, the cinematography is just breathtaking. Aside from, aside from like Jeff said, a, a miniature here and there, and some questionable CGI at tops, like this is definitely a very, uh, very uh, underrated science fiction classic. Um, I definitely think everyone should watch it. Um, uh, in his review, Oliver Harper said that like if you're trying to find movie to an analyze for like a, a course or whatnot, this is a good movie to analyze because absolutely this, allows, this movie is really good for multiple repeats, repeat viewings. And you always find something new every time. And I really, I really like this interesting look into like I said, what makes it what makes us human and whatnot? Like, what is it that makes up a soul? Um, and as much as I appreciate the matrix, I think dark city does that a little better even though the matrix kind of elaborates on it more but um i like i like this approach just a little bit more because it offers i mean don't get me wrong i love action so action is one of my all-time favorite genres and i love uh, martial arts and movies and whatnot but i think i like something like dark city just a little tad more uh, i guess that's just my change in palette over the years or so but but yeah dark city um i think it like I said one of the all-time uh underrated science fiction classics and i think everyone should check it out if they're really into watching that kind of stuff but so yeah dude uh yeah another uh fine installment of this show i think how about you
0: i would say uh to anyone that uh listened this far uh, I'm sorry that uh, we consumed an hour and 20 minutes of your life. Uh, <laughs> no, no take backs. Uh, you're going to have to live that for the rest of your life.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I do appreciate you uh, pl- um, bearing with us here. And I hope you will join us again for our next installment where we return to the Tremors franchise and Tremors 3 Back to Perfection. In the meantime, follow us on our socials, if we have socials, if you can find this, But other than that, folks, that's going to be it for this installment of two nerdskis and a podcast. This is Eric. This is Jeff. And remember, stay shiny, everybody. Take it easy. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>